On this week's Boag World, it's all about me! Oh yes, and Jeffrey Zeldman. We cover topics like choice paralysis, the Ten Commandments of web design, and the evils of email. So this week's show is going to be the shortest podcast ever recorded <laughs> by the Boag World team. Well, I think that... Goodbye. I, th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that people will probably find that quite refreshing, <laughs> being the shortest po- podcast. I'm just, we do seem to be going on quite a lot lately. Yes, we do. We're both just insanely busy, but more importantly than that... Mm. The heating in the barn mm. is broken. Paul looks like something off a children's television programme. He ha- really does. I'm I'm wearing... What, what do you even describe Andy this Pandy. as? That's what you, well, Andy Pandy? Actually, no one will know who that is. No, that makes <laughs> horribly. I'm wearing a sleeping bag romper suit. Exactly. It's probably the best way of putting it. But I'm warm. Those words coming out of your ra- mouth just sound wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> sleeping bag romping suit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. You're warm, I'm bloody not. No, you're sitting there cupping coffee in both hands to mm. keep your hands warm. While my hands are gone. Yes. They're just completely Tough hidden. to type, though, I would think. No, you you have holes. Oh, right, okay. Well, what do you think I've been doing all morning, <laughs> sitting in this thing, just staring at my keyboard? The barn heating is broken, by the way. This isn't That's a, what this, I just said. Did I you started say that? saying that. Did you yeah. say that? Okay, yeah. I wasn't listening. Well, otherwise, <laughs> none of the previous bit would have made any sense. Well, yeah. I, I would have just seemed like a strange weird. That's <laughs> being fixed today. Why did we come in and decide to podcast today when we could have come in tomorrow when it was warm? Because people said it's being fixed on Tuesday. Okay, I'll go in on Tuesday then. Yes, no, without no more thinking than that. Yes, that without actually considering when on Tuesday exactly. it was going to be fixed. Yes, which was silly of us. But never mind. We're here now. But we do have our normal four. Wonderful blog posts to entertain and amuse. Mm-hmm. Well, mainly entertain, actually. Well, well not even entertain. Ooh, they're my wonderful. They're, they're super wonderful this week, aren't they? They're super wonderful this week because two of them are mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the trouble. I've been so busy. I'm writing a... Am I allowed to say what I'm writing? Uh, yeah, you were writing yeah, So I'm writing a... Uh, am I allowed to say who for? I don't know. Okay. So I'm writing an expert <laughs> review. <laughs> But normally an expert review, we leave a couple of days for. But this is quite an important job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we've left four days for it. And I'm like 5,000 words into it and not even halfway through yet. It's boring even me. I pity whoever's got to read it at the end. Um, and so the result is I've just been insanely busy. So the idea of reading through blog posts was just too much for me. So I picked two blog posts of my own. Well, you know, it's all golden content. Oh, is it? that what it is? It's I haven't just picked stuff I already know about. No, you know, your st- all of it. It's all gold. Oh. The whole lot. It is, actually. I'm, these, these, <laughs> it is. It, it is. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's good stuff. You know, I haven't kind of just picked crap, you know. Well, I suppose you must have written the odd good post over the years <laughs> I've a lot of good posts have you i'll have, have you, you know really i have yes okay well if you write the number i do yeah then it's you, just it's just percentages yeah. isn't it yeah monkey keyboard <laughs> yeah shakespeare shakespeare yeah there you go <laughs> so that about sums up volume but, yeah but that's how you work volume, volume yes <laughs> quantity over quality yeah 
Um, so, but amongst all of that, we also have posts from um, Jeremy Keith, but writing about a presentation that he heard Jeffrey Zeldman give, which is a good one. Yeah, that'll be good. And you've got a good one as well from the uh, Happy Cog website. Yes, I have. So um, that's good. Yeah, it's about sales. Yay! Your favourite subject. The thing that no one talks about, apparently. <laughs> yes, except me. Except you. We've been talking about it for <laughs> yeah, years. Yes. But, yeah, we'll come on to that later. Because I, I, you don't need to feel quite as smug as you currently are feeling over this, because you're not as cool as you think you are. Me? Yeah. Says the man in the giant <laughs> rumper suit. I was going to say, cool? <laughs> I don't think I'm cool. Anyway, <laughs> shall we start off talking about choice paralysis? Let's do that. So I've got a question, Marcus. Is the phrase choice paralysis a commonly used one? Um, or is it just a me thing? Uh, it's, it's a thing. It's you a real you thing, isn't you it? You didn't invent it. No, I did. I uh, didn't think, well, I, 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 so I was writing this debts expert review and one of the, the, the points that I was trying to make was that, um, they have these huge long lists of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, unsurprisingly, I thought, you know, I, I started writing you know you're going to create choice paralysis it's for a charity website mm-hmm. and you go into the donation section and there's this massive long list of different ways you can donate and you just go i give up <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't, i'd love to give you some money but i can't it, there's too many choices <laughs> um so what i did is i wanted to i didn't want to get into explaining uh, too much about what choice paralysis is so i thought i'll just link to it there'll be a wikipedia article or something on it so i google choice paralysis and my post comes up as number one in google on choice paralysis number two. Oh, is it number two uh analysis paralysis which is, is means the same thing by wikipedia is number one if you put quotes around choice paralysis ah perhaps that's what i didn't do so I was amazed how highly I, I, I rank on that. So I, then I started worrying that it was just a made-up word that no one <laughs> yeah, else yeah. uses. <laughs> and that's how I was ranked. Because you're right, the only thing above me is analysis. Anal- oh. <laughs> An- analysis paralysis. Yes. Which is, well, I guess, it's the same thing. It's, 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 no, it's not the same thing. It's, no, they're different. I'm yes. making it up. That's a completely different thing. Yeah. Choice paralysis is basically about, and yeah, you, there will be stuff in here about supermarkets don't deliberately don't put too many different varieties. Well, that was the fa- the famous experiment that was mm. done where they did. I've got the exact figures actually because I think I've mentioned it in the article. Okay. So choice paralysis is, is the principle that there's too much choice. You're overwhelmed. You don't pick anything. So um, you know, there's a classic experiment, um, a supermarket study. Yes. Where only 3% of shoppers purchase jam when confronted with 24 varieties, mm-hmm. while 30% purchase when they were only given six varieties. And, you know, that's, that's choice paralysis in a nutshell. Reduce yes. the amount of choice somebody's got, they're more likely to make a purchase. Um, and in actual fact, third in the list on the Google search is um, The Paradox of Choice, which is a video on TED, mm. an excellent video, link in the show notes, definitely worth checking out, that talks about um how choice is actually crippling western society wow that's a big statement well i might have made that bigger <laughs> statement than it probably was in the video because <laughs> it was a long time ago that i wrote watched it but it is good so check that out as well but anyway sure, what, but, uh, no you you can't just leave that floating why because what give me an example well the, we just gave you an example with the shopping oh, market. give me another example 
uh, a list of cho- uh, choice ways to donate on a website. How many flipping examples no, I mean, do you I want, man? The Barry Schwartz who gave the TED talk. I, well, you that's can't what I remember, said. Can I you? can't remember. I watched it ages ago. I was yeah, just very honest about that. I just remembering it was good. And I think it might have inspired me to write my choice paralysis post. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I rate higher than him because <laughs> I'm just a better human being. That's Barry, it. you <laughs> suck. Whoever you are. No, actually, it's really good. Check it out. Um, so anyway, so I came up number one mm-hmm. on Google for an article I'd written. Uh, this is very a yay Paul po- podcast. Well, this is what I'm I said. One. This is yeah. Uh, See now, look. Before we did this show, when I said, "Oh, I'm a bit worried, Marcus, about doing two posts mm-hmm. of mine," yeah, yeah. you were like, "No, do it, Paul. Do it, Paul. It'd be fine. It's okay. It's not a problem. You write lots of great stuff. We ought to cover it on the show." When we get on the frigging show, you start telling me I'm egocentric and mad. Make I, up your mind. I didn't say that. You were implying you it. Dreamt it was that. a me-centric that show. Wasn't, that was I wasn't me. I didn't. I haven't said anything about this. At the moment, my brain is so cold <laughs> that I actually am unsure now. Yeah. What are you talking about, Paul? I've got no idea what you're talking about. Stop messing with my mind. <laughs> so anyway, this article I wrote in August 2010. If you haven't read it, seriously, you're all joking aside, it is a good article. It is worth reading. And I think whether you... Really, it doesn't matter. It, it, it kind of When you think about choice paralysis, because of that supermarket example, you do immediately think about e-commerce. But mm. it applies on all kinds of sites. We've already said it applies to donations on a charity site. But it even applies to, to you know, other scenarios. Any, any situation where you're giving the user a lot of options to choose between, there is a danger that they will be faced with choice paralysis. Um, yes. I think there's so many, you know, so much of the time you come across with too many options within one character, um, uh, category or too many ways to customize stuff, you know, um, where you can change the color or you mm. can mess with this or that or whatever. Um, uh, with e-commerce sites, another really famous example is is overwhelming selection of special offers. Where there's like <laughs> yeah, everything's yeah. on special offer. It's like the DHS sale, isn't it? Where they're always <laughs> selling, you know, and having a sale. Um, That's right. You get this, You have that feeling that you're missing out. Yeah. Well, well, if I go for this, then there's got to be a better offer. Yeah. Uh, It's like when you go shopping and inevitably you see the thing you want the very first shop you go into. But you have to run around 20 or 30 other shops just to make sure, don't you? Or if you're lazy like me, you go, oh, bollocks, I'll just have it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's a blessing to be lazy. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the first house I ever bought. Right. um, It was the first one we saw. And we must have seen 30 others. Before we said exactly the same happened to us. It's like what? Yeah, but we're only young. I know. We didn't know any better. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. So well, second time walked into it. Yeah, this will do. Uh, totally. <laughs> House we're living in now. We didn't look at any others. No. None. <laughs> so how do you deal with this problem of choice paralysis? Um, well, first of all, you've got to make sure there's clear differentiate differentiate. Oh, I can't. Why, why am I a podcaster? I don't know because you can't. Talk. I can't speak. I can't write. Right. Maybe you need to move out of Wurzel Land, then you'd be able to talk. Properly. I could be. <laughs> could do even <laughs> not be. See, this is the problem. <laughs> so, first thing to do is differentiate between your different choices, um, and and. 
computer manufacturers suffer from this problem so badly. When you're buying a computer, making a decision can be um, hard when the only difference between a model is the technical specification. I had this recently, actually. I went and bought a laptop. And it's like, you know, I'm, uh, in the, the article I say, most people don't know the difference between 2 gig and 4 gig of memory or whatever. But actually, uh, more, those numbers seem small now, don't they? 2 mm. gig and 4 gig. Um, but, I mean, recently I went in to buy a laptop and had different graphics cards. I, there's no comparison, no way of comparing them whatsoever. And the choice was just overwhelming and crippling. Well, it's just the expensive, you really should be having the expensive one because otherwise you'll be six months behind as you walk out of the shop door. Yeah, I know. Which is actually, I don't think, the case anymore with computers. That used to be the case, didn't it? Well, it depends on what you're buying it for. It's still the case with gaming. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. But you don't game very much. Not really, no. Not that type of game, anyway. But, you know, this the, the thing we're recording on, which is a MacBook Air, nearly three years old. Yeah. I'm running Logic Pro on this. It's not plugged in. There's no... No. You know, that no. unheard of yeah, absolutely. On, on anything, in, you know, a few years ago. It basically, I've got loads of other programs run, running. Um, this is a tangent. But I'm just, I'm just hugely impressed with it. A- Apple have almost made it too good. Well, actually, <laughs> Apple is the example of the kind of exception to the rule. You know, if you go to, say, the Dell website, um, you want to poke needles through your eyes quite yeah. quickly because the choice is just overwhelming. Mm. Well, Apple, for for a long time, they're not so good now, it has to be said, but for a long time had really clear differentiation between their products. In fact, they Yeah, even, well, they've got a problem now, haven't they? With the, the air is too good, as I've just been saying. Yeah. That's it. I bet that's an issue. Absolutely. I mean, it used to be when, when I wrote this. Well, no, they did have the air in it mm-hmm. back in 2010. But their website, made, they had a section called Which Mac is Right for You? Um, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely great what they had on the website. I haven't looked more recently. But they had a MacBook, you know, which is they refer to. They don't refer to specs. Yeah. They just say it's the, our most affordable notebook. Yeah, they don't make that one anymore. No. <laughs> then they had their MacBook Pro, yeah. our most advanced notebook. Then mm-hmm. they had their MacBook Air. You know, for for the thinnest and lightest Mm. notebook and iMac and so on. And each of them are clearly differentiated. Yeah. Right? So that's the key. If you've got to have lots of options, because the the immediate response is we'll reduce the number of options, right? Which is you you want to be able to do in most situations. But you Mm. can't – it's not that black and white. You can't say – oh, I just need to remove a load of options. Sometimes it's all you need to do is really clearly differentiate between the options that you've got. Um, yes. So, uh, but it, it, that doesn't just pli- apply to to um, um, you know computers. Uh, computers or products. It can apply to navigation as well. I mean, which you you do a lot mm. of my yeah, 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 you absolutely. Know, you know, if you have a top level sections that you know, and you're not quite sure what the difference is between the two. I mean, the example I give um, in, uh, is with Firebox.com, where they have two top level sections, one called Technology and one called Geek. And the two are quite close, you know, and you're not sure what's in what and what the difference is between those two sections. Do you reckon anyone ever clicks on those? I don't. I do on Geek all the time. But, but oh, I suppose you're just, yeah, you're, you want to be shown stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you would. I just think any shopping site, people just 
search mm, no because i don't think they always know because firebox is a really kind of gift orientated site yeah yeah and you're looking for a gift for someone and you know someone is kind of geeky so you click on the geek section show me all the geeky products yeah but anyway i mean but that's okay that could equally be a content driven site mm. where you have two sections that um you know that are too similar Another thing you can do about choice paralysis is um, something that we did on Wiltshire Farm Foods, which is you, you know, you've got a big long list of different um, products or different sections or whatever else, but you can't remove them for whatever reason. There's, you know, there's some reason why not. So what we did with Wiltshire Farm Foods is we just hid the mm. less popular ones. So you have like an expandable list. Yeah, yeah. So you make it very clear to people what is the most important ones, what are the ones that you should be paying attention to. Um, so, I mean, it's the old laws of simplicity. If you can't remove it, hide it. And if you can't hide it, shrink it. Mm-hmm. Link to the show notes to Lord, um, laws of simplicity. Um, and then, of course, the other thing you can do is you can make suggestions about, you know, what people should be looking at, what's most appropriate to them. And I, I guess that's, you know what amazon does really instead of just kind of vomiting you onto their website and say find whatever you want you know it does actually provide some recommendations about what is most appropriate to you and what is not um another thing worth mentioning or the last thing really worth mentioning is also setting good defaults makes a big um big difference as well in avoiding choice paralysis um, mm. So this is something we do a lot on um, uh, donation websites. Yes. You know, how much to give? Oh, I don't know. Mm. You know, <laughs> do I give £10 or £20 or £5? What's the kind of normal thing? It's like when, when you do a whip round, isn't it, at, at work for somebody who's leaving. So how much do I you love put it down? When it comes to me first because I deliberately put a big, a large amount in just to annoy everyone else. Yeah, and they say well, exactly. <laughs> but that's a, you're set, if you're first, you're setting the default. Exactly. So you can si- kind of set defaults for your users, um, and and often <clears> I think some, we become obsessed with edge cases where we worry, you know, about well, why if somebody you know doesn't want to give a predefined amount of money, you know, what do we? Oh, we better just have a box that you know people can type in whatever they want mm. but actually you're better off providing guidance and and because otherwise the the minority um are kind of dictating what happens to the majority and that's just dumb um and so yeah you look setting good defaults is another thing all of these things i go into a lot more detail mm. um in the post so it's definitely worth checking out um and i think the kind of key message with all of this is really that that we like to think of ourselves as kind of hyperlogical Vulcans that kind of just pick whatever the most rational and sensible decision is. But actually we don't do that at all. We're, we, you know, we tend to, especially when we're faced with we're a sheep, yeah, <laughs> partly that. And partly when we're faced with like so many different options, we fall back on our subconscious relying on gut mm. reactions and emotional decision-making um and this can often leave the user feeling uncertain and out of control and that's where they get this kind of paralysis where they don't do anything but anyway Mm. check out the article it's a great article um and hopefully um you can learn something out of it and it is great despite the fact that i wrote it. it's great 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 someone say it again it's great it's fantastic if i was vitali i would say it was smashing (laughs) so i'll have to say that with our third article which is part, part but before we go on to that Let's look at the Ten Commandments of Web Design. 
All right. So our next up is a post by Jeremy Keith, where he kind of outlines um, a talk by Jeffrey Zeldman that he gave at an event apart in Atlanta. Um, on, uh, it's only just been published. It's a new post from it, um, Jeremy. And it, I don't know. Just it. I don't know what it was about this because it's nothing that's like mind blowing in it. But on the other hand, I don't know. It's just Jeffrey a, said it. Jeffrey. No, no, I'm not. I'm not like that at all. I, there was something about it that just struck a refreshing chord with me. Well, he's um, great. He's a great speaker. He is thinker. a great speaker. And also he's got that, because he's got that standing within the industry, he's got nothing to prove. So he mm. can say what the hell he likes, really. And I think that's what makes his stuff refreshing often. Yeah. You he's know. irreverent. Yeah. So, so he's, he's done Ten Commandments of Web Design that um, Jeremy has kindly kind of outlined for us on his blog post um and i just i thought let's you know it'd be quite nice to talk through this list he talks about thou shalt entertain which what a great start just there mm. how you know he, he talks about how we spend so much time worrying about accessibility usability performance and all, all that good stuff but actually we should be entertaining as well and that's a really important part and he gives some examples of of how they've you know, different people have done that. He talks about panic software that, um, you know, got beautiful icons that are entertaining and, and how their um, corporate philosophy and mis- mis- uh, mission statement is interesting, you know, mm. and, and engaging, unlike so many of them. He talks about the illustrations that are used on a list apart and um, some 404 error pages and all kinds of different um, examples where you can be entertaining. The GNU bars. That's making me laugh. What's that? I've Gnu- read that. GNU bars are fibre bars uh, that help you go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, um, and this could have been the worst website assignment ever, uh, but they worked hard to, uh, to get the joy of going to the bathroom in there. They even have a GNU's letter. Oh, no. <laughs> that's that terrible. But anyway, yes. Made me so, I mean, things like... I just love stuff like that. Mm. I mean, it's getting the balance, isn't it, all the time? You see... You, uh, it's like there are two camps in the world of web design. There's the kind of gimmicky, fun, flash... I mean, you know, big big F and little F there. Mm. Um, websites that are all fl- froth, froth and no substance. And then there's the kind of camp that I guess that, that most of us that are listening to this show fall into, which is the accessibility, usability, you're all far too serious, yeah, yeah, intense yeah. kind of group. And actually, you know, Jeremy is rightly saying, not Jeremy, Jeffrey is rightly saying that the, the, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Second one is thou shalt test everything, including your assumptions, which I like is a nice addition to it. Mm-hmm. So he's talking a little bit about um, uh, kind of testing, both mobile testing, but all kinds of different testings, really, um, which is really good. He's got thou shalt iterate, which I, I, I love. And I think I would love to be doing more of that. He talks about how on a list apart, they iterated a lot before coming up. Um, with their final design and in last week's show didn't we we talked about how google endlessly iterated mm. um to come up with their the way that they do things and um we don't you don't get to do that a lot with with client work which is a shame i'd love to do more iteration and testing and iteration and testing and you know we do do that we do a lot of it but not to the extent that i would love to yeah, budgets get in the way usually on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, n- not not just budgets. It's, a, you know, people's expectation of when something needs to be delivered. Yeah. Timescales. 
It, we don't get to just fiddle about. And no. Just keep trying this and iterating that. But I do do that with, you know, I do that mm. with my own site on Boag World. I'm, I'm, you know, been fiddling with stuff over the weekend on my site and, and that kind of constant iteration. But I mean, he's talking about design iteration as well, you know, mm. where before you even launch a product going over and over it, which is really good. Next one's good. Thou shalt ship. <laughs> and this first line on this is great. I don't know whether this is Jeremy as he's, he's recounting it back or whether it's Jeffrey said this. He said, good is the enemy of great. Fair enough. You know, good enough yeah, is yeah. not good enough. But great is the enemy of shipping, which is so true. Mm. How you kind of obsess over things endlessly and eventually you've got to go get it out of the door, you know. And Jeremy talked about how, um, you know, uh, he used to work at a company that had a perfectionist as the president, which Mm. and about how in some ways that's a good thing. And in some ways it's not. And you never end up shipping stuff. And uh, it's just great. It's. That I'm a huge believer in, you know. Okay, enough's enough. Let's get it out there. There is a, there's a balance between points three and four. That yes. Thou shalt iterate and thou shalt ship because iteration, endless iteration, can never. You're, ship. you're looking for greatness. Yes. Which means you'll never get it out the door. Yes. So this is all rubbish. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm it, it, it's you know, it's, yeah. No, I know you are. It, it kind of perfectly sums up the paradox that mm. you have of knowing where to draw the line and i think that to some degree only comes with experience you know you, mm. you've got to do it too far in either direction haven't you iterate too much or ship too early mm. before you find that sweet spot in the middle engage thy community is number five and he uses instagram as a great example of that where they changed their terms of service oh, and yeah, yeah. they didn't communicate that very well um but he gives some other examples as well which is great Love thy user as thyself, um, uh, which is a great one, unless, of course, you hate yourself, in which case, (laughs) don't follow that advice. Um, Remember the content, and it gets into content first, and and the idea of, um, you know, focusing always on the content. So it gives a great example of asking, you know, instead of asking, um, where should we put the sidebar? Ask the question, do we need a sidebar? You know, does the content dictate having mm. a sidebar? Those kinds of things, which is great. Ignore workflow at thy peril. Um, another really good one. Um, and again, he gives some examples of that. Um, I'm not going to go into all of these in massive detail because I want you to read the post. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt prioritize. Um, pretty self-explanatory really but so many clients failed to do this you know the amount of effort that you put getting a client um, just to say this thing is more important than that is that's that is what we spend the majority of pro- projects the first part you know, the, yeah the research part of a project or the consulting part of a project is about prioritization yeah absolutely totally. to thy own self be true um, which is great. It gives an example of, ah, oh, the old hay.net site. <laughs> Have hay, need hay. Um, you know, and the site is, um, has changed, but it's still about hay. You know? <laughs> and, and it's too often, um, I've seen this especially with startups a lot, where they launch a website about one thing and then they pivot and mm. suddenly they're about something else and about how shit that is. 
um, and about how just sticking with your vision, you know, who it, who it is you are reaching, what it is you're about and staying consistent with that. And I think we've made that mistake over the over the years of of maybe wandering a little bit away with Boag World down different avenues of becoming, you know, too much um you know stuff just for website owners or too much stuff mm, just for designers yeah. where we've always been a podcast for all those that design develop mm-hmm. and run websites on a daily basis you know and we need to stick with that and then there's 11th one just as a bonus um which is think for yourself don't be a lemming which is a great ending to anything isn't it really very w- wise worms wise words <laughs> and on those wise worms we shall move on <laughs> I'm loving the fact that every time we have a break between sections, Marcus is just going, oh, it's flipping freezing. Oh, it's, I can't feel my feet. Moan, yeah. moan, moan, moan. My feet are gone. This is horrible. <laughs> I don't like it. We can go back downstairs soon. Good. Oh, no, we've got two more posts. We're I know. Halfway. Get on with it. Let's slow down. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm toasty warm. Yes, in your romper suit. Romper suit. Anyway, next post is a post I wrote for Smashing Art uh, Magazine, and, and is just a... No holds barred rant, right? <laughs> about about email, but not in the way you think, right? I'm not talking about spam, right? Because actually, truth is, I don't really care much about spam anymore. Got good spam filters; they work well. They get rid of the penis enlargement <laughs> emails. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't get that kind of spam anymore. Still get a, you still get a few, but I'm actually quite attached to some of the spam I've been getting over the years. I get some stuff for. Um, kind of industrial piping things yes. like that yes yeah. yeah yeah I get that one as well and in fact like, I had one today or yesterday yeah. something like that and I've been getting them for years and I'd, be, I'd miss them if they went <laughs> <laughs> so no I'm not talking about that kind of stuff I know what I'm talking about is email marketing mm. um, it, so it's the which kind of is spam. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, uh, it's, well, it is and it isn't. It's a bit more cunning than that. Targeted spam. There's, there's, there's two types of it, right? Yes. There is the, um, you signed up for this application 23 years ago, and when you did, you accidentally didn't uncheck the box mm, that says, yeah, yeah. so in theory, they do have permission to email me, right? Um, but I've long since forgotten or cared about them, really. So there's that type of that one. And then there's this new trend, right, of email marketing in the guise of notifications, right? (laughs) So I sign up for some, um, you know, web service or whatever. And and by default, it sends you notifications every 24 hours, giving you a roundup of everything that's (laughs) happened on this new app that you long since stopped caring about. Yeah, yeah. So those are the kind of two things. And I guess that's my point with writing this email, uh, this this kind of post, is that we all say we hate spam, right? Um, and yet, I actually think we're all responsible for creating it, and we don't realise it. And we go, what we're doing isn't spam. We mm. find justifications in our minds. Um, but done right, email marketing can be good, um, and it can be good for the subscriber as well as ourselves. You know, um, so... It's about getting the balance. I think a big part of it for me is that email communication really should be about a dialogue rather than a monologue. Um, And good email marketing doesn't just benefit the sender. It also provides real benefit to the user as well. Um, But there's so much 
so many problems that get in the way of it. The email marketing has almost become this dirty word that you shouldn't, you know, that that nice people don't approve. Of. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't bring email marketing home to meet the mother. You know, it's that kind of thing. So I wanted to go through some of the problems with email marketing in this post, which I've done. First one is that, that why am I getting this email scenario? Yes. Um, you know, I'm presuming that some level of consent has been given. And I hope that people know better than to send emails completely unsolicited. But that term unsolicited can be interpreted in many ways. <laughs> yes. And I think we often strain to gray areas without realizing it. Um. So, so this why am I getting this email um, is, a, is an important example of this. So, for example, I get an email um, from um, a company called Stardock, right? And I bought an app from Stardock once years ago, back in, I would have thought a back in... lifetime. What? Seriously, I'm talking about back in the days where I used to use the WYSIWYG editor in Dreamweaver, that kind of <laughs> right. length of time ago. Um, and they, they saw me purchasing that as permission to send me an email, right? And not just one email, an email probably every three or four months, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't opt out of it, but I don't remember opting in either. Mm. And it's that, why am I getting this email? I don't remember opting in for this. So why am I getting it? Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Then there's the notifications that I mentioned earlier. And this really is getting up my nose majorly. <laughs> Twitter is a great example of this uh, um, recently. Twitter started emailing people with a summary of their Twitter stream. True. That's an instant delete, isn't it? Right. Did I sign up for that? No, because it didn't exist when no. I signed up for that. They just added it in and they didn't, they could have sent me an email saying, hey, we want to offer this new thing. If you want it, click here. Yeah. Right? Fine with that. But instead, they just signed me up for these notifications without my permission. Right? So there's that. But it gets worse in the Twitter stro- story. And that brings me on to my next thing of, I just want to frigging unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. Right? Enabling users to unsubscribe to an email update should go without saying. <laughs> um, you know, otherwise, if if I can't unsubscribe to it, what what ultimately can I do? I can um, delete it every time, but more likely, I'm going to, out of pure vindictiveness and pissed offness, I'm going to mark it as spam, and that ultimately could get the people um, who's sending it banned. However, just because you've got an unsubscribe option... Don't think that means you're not going to alienate people, right? Take, for example, that Twitter stream email. That's got an unsubscribe option. They're good. They're nice people. Bugger they are. Little shits, <laughs> right? I click on the unsubscribe option, and what does it do? It says, log in to unsubscribe. Well, hang on a minute. You know my email address. You know who I am. Yeah. Why do I have to log in for this? Just unsubscribe me for it. Now, that in itself, I could possibly uh, a push excuse, right? Because they just haven't thought it through. Because what they haven't considered is perhaps I don't know my login details. Mm. Because I have multiple Twitter accounts. I set up one particular one I remember setting up was for the Heinlein Fling in about 2009, right? Mm. Um, and I wanted people to be able to submit questions to me. So I created a Twitter account especially for that. Um, used it for the one thing, then just abandoned it. Mm. Now I'm getting emails every week telling me what activity I've got on that Twitter stream, which is none, right? 
but I don't know the username anymore. I don't know the login details. I don't even have the same email address, so they can't reset the password. And th- <laughs> that happens countless times, right? So you've got to make it easy. Unsubscribing should be as easy as clicking a link. That's it. Mm. None of that confirmation thing. That's the other thing they do. You go to a page and they go, oh, oh, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I frigging clicked on the link. Of course I want to do it. And then they make me click another button, right? Or do you want to unscrub to just this or everything? Now, now just just do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, half, I don't bother unsubscribing for things because I'm so cynical. I think that I'm signing up for things when I, when I yes. unsubscribe. So I don't. I just delete them. Delete. And, and then, but then that gets really painful. If you're getting like, you know, because I, I sign up for lots of things. Mm. You know, I'm getting, you know, I probably get. I would believe Twitter, for example, but then I still just delete them. Yeah. Because I get the. Because it feels quicker. To, you might. Yeah, exactly. It's bump, done. It's gone. Um, because I st- they, they send you all sorts of crap, Twitter. Yeah. You might want to be friends with so-and-so. Or these, these people who you follow are saying this. I know that. Because I'm <laughs> on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Uh, right. <laughs> Another one is, this isn't what I signed up for, right? When people do intentionally subscribe, they have certain expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And meeting those expectations is really important. So... um you know, and keeping a consistent tone across all these digital channels uh, through which you communicate. So, for example, when people sign up to my newsletter, they expect web design related news. That is what I've told them that they will get. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to deliver. If I start pushing my web design services instead, they're going to feel lied to and they're going to be, you know, get alienated. You know, and, and this is such an important thing to do, but so often... Um, it doesn't happen. And, you know, for example, if I sign up, um, there's a great, I found a great example, a Circuit City email, right? Circuit City don't exist anymore, so it's fine to slag them off. <laughs> um, although that didn't stop me slagging off Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's so big, it's okay. And they sent this, this they send out, e- or used to send out emails, so basically red hot deals and, and shopping stuff. People don't subscribe to be sold at. They subscribe to get something of value. Do you know what I mean? So if all you're going to do is just sell people, you're wasting your time. If you I went think. to a marketing conference, though, and, and said this to them, probably 8 out of 10 people, 9 out of 10 people will go, yeah, 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 but that's not how it is. Yeah, and the, the, that's the truth. That, they're correct. They're, mm. the, the truth is that in terms of statistics... You know, it's like direct mail, mm. right? You know, 2%, 1%, maybe even less people respond and buy something, but that pays for it and makes you a profit. Mm. But what they don't consider at these marketing conferences and what really hacks me off is the damage that they're doing to their brand exactly. at the same time. Yeah, and it, it, yes, oh, I can feel myself going, going for a rant. It's about that old-fashioned word, kind of politeness. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. And it's like, you know, well, if you're a tough marketer, then you're just out to, you know, get the best figures and sell this product, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, like you say, there is no consideration for maybe that person that bought that thing last year would buy this thing next year and the year after if you treated them with, them with, with some, some respect. respect. Yeah. Uh, but you're losing them every time. And that, 
uh, that I think is part of the problem with with you know I'm a great fan of metrics, right? That that mm-hmm. whenever we set up a project, one of the first things we do is set you know measurable success criteria. But you have to be careful with that that you're measuring that you don't become so obsessed with those figures that you lose the broader perspective, mm. right? And a marketeer is a great example of that. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about how many sales that you can secure. But you can be damaging other metrics, yes. like customer satisfaction. Which you can't measure very easily. Which is harder to measure, yeah, mm. absolutely. So you've got to be really, really careful. Um, it's interesting. So there was a, you know, a much better example of newsletters done right and, and actually giving something of value to the subscriber rather than just selling them is the RSPCA. They do a great newsletter where they, their newsletter mixes kind of news and issues and, you know, advice and all these kinds of good stuff alongside calls to action to donate and that kind of thing. Mm. And it's a much more healthy risk uh, mix and much, much better. And then the other thing is, which is really reflective of, of what you were just saying, is that um, you obviously don't care about me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The great, I've found this brilliant <laughs> oh, one from yeah. Paul Daddy. Um, it's Paul Daddy email where it's got, hi, unknown, comma, welcome <laughs> to the Paul Daddy monthly newsletter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's yeah, like, so just don't if you can't get somebody's name don't send it at all yes <laughs> and also remember the email is supposed to be a two-way medium and so we need to treat our email that way i hate emails that go out with from email addresses like no reply at company yeah, we don't care about you yes. at all yes <laughs> and even when you like you're writing the email write it like you're writing one human being is writing to another mm-hmm. you know um and, and and maybe ask people to respond ask their opinions encourage comments you know run the occasional poll you know, when I write the emails, the Boag World emails, and by the way, link in the show notes for dis- subscribing to those. Um, you know, I make it, I write to one person, mm-hmm. right? And it, I try and have a different person every week that I write to. So <laughs> last week I wrote to Cindy. Okay. Right? And I'll write the whole thing like I'm writing to Cindy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just try and make it as much like a normal e- a new email as, as I can. But anyway. Good idea. And then uh, the the one other... Th- I like that. Yeah, it's, it works really well, actually. Yeah. Um, sometimes you, it can be misjudged slightly because you read back through it afterwards and think, no one other than Cindy's going to get this. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to rewrite it a little bit to make it more applicable. Yeah, fair but enough. The principle's right. Mm. And the last thing in this that I cover in this post is, um, you know, at least check as well that your email is easy to read. The number of, of emails that I get through... But that because they they don't automatically download the images are totally illegible, mm. or or just don't work on my iPhone, um, and it's so easy to de- do these days. I mean, the email that I um, email newsletter I send out, I I use Mailchimp, and they even provide a tool for like dragging and dropping design elements in. It's a WYSIWYG editor really mm. for email, and that's responsive, and it works on every you know device and every email client and it's just brilliant i just love it mm. so anyway yeah like you say uh, it's funny i conclude this by saying exactly what um what you said which is i just want some respect 
I just want to be treated like a human being. Um, and if you treat people um, with respect, then you ain't going to go far wrong. It's the old adage of treat others as you would have them treat you, really, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, if you, uh, it just makes... Obviously, it doesn't... Well, to me, I think it makes business sense yes. to treat people with respect. Because I think you will. they will then become customers for life. Yes. There and make you loads and loads of money if that's what you and go out with. recommending you to other people exactly so my so therefore the reverse of that is if you don't treat me with respect i assume you're out for a fast buck yes and that is what your brand is all about yes and surely i'm not the only person that thinks this no but i think the problem this is what i was getting at right at the beginning i think very few people think that i think there are some that do but i think there are a lot of people that think that in theory um, and if you and if you ask them, do you treat your customers with respect? They mm. would say, of course we do. Mm. But their actions, it's almost like we become blind to our own actions and we don't realise when we're, you know, tricking people into signing up for a newsletter or, mm. you know, we kind of think, oh, well, it's all right in this occasion because what we'll provide will be brilliant. Yes, so it'll yes. be fine. We're very worthy. Yeah. yeah or... Yeah. Oh, well, of course, everybody wants our notifications because our <laughs> notifications are for an app that's absolutely brilliant and, yeah. and everybody, you know, cares about more than life itself. Yes, exactly. So we self-delude to an, um, to an extent. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the key here is to, you know, ask, ask some of your users whether you're doing it right. And actually, on that note, I would love to hear back from you guys if you're subscribed to my newsletter as to whether you feel it's too intrusive whether you feel it's too salesy whether you feel it's you know annoying in any way people just go delete delete yeah <laughs> well it's, it's quite interesting i'm very chuffed right because in mailchimp they do this thing where they show your open rates and your click rates mm. in compare in comparison to other um people within your own sector and how I've got like double the open rate and double the click through rate of any any you know the average within the sector. So that makes me feel. But even then, my my um, my click through rate and and open rate in my head is really low still. You know, my open rate is like thirty percent or something. Well, that's, well, that's probably really high because most of the time, something like that comes through or that I actually am interested in. Probably don't read it. Yeah, because anyway, you just don't have the time. Busy, yeah, other stuff. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's yeah, an yeah. interesting area. And how do you really judge? And the other thing I keep an eye on is my unsubscriber rate. Um, you know, so I lots of people unsubscribing every time, and it seems to be almost an identical figure every time, which is really weird. Mm. Every week I send out a newsletter, and eight people unsubscribe. Is it the same? Do they unsubscribe, resubscribe, and then unsubscribe? Every well, the unsubscribe doesn't work. <laughs> no, it does because it's Mailchimp. Oh, so right, okay. so they obviously have to be really hot on that. So anyway, that's that post. Let's move on to Marcus's contribution to proceedings. Okay, this is a post about sales. Actually, I do need to say one thing before do you? we do that. Sorry, in the time it took me to do that last section. Yeah. I had four pieces of unsolicited mail coming. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was superb. Yes. Sorry, sales, yay! Sales, Everybody yay, loves sales. Yay, yay. So why are you feeling smug? I'm not feeling smug. Oh, I've been talking about this for years. Well, I kind of have been talking about this for years. No, that's just the only... Um, this is Joe Rinaldi, who works for Happy Cog. Right. And he has basically 
he's just talking about sales and he makes he's he starts it off by saying we work in a wonderfully open community where ideas and best practices are shared and implemented liberally well except when it comes to sales it is true i mean to a certain extent yeah i won't talk about our rates um and oh, i've had this conversation but, but i have had this conversation before that's that's my smugness we have talked about this kind of thing a lot in the past yes although we have not so much lately i suppose once you've covered it you've covered it but i think what uh, what i liked about his post and the reason why i don't think you can be completely that smug i'm not covered I'm this not, before you're making up but making up making what, up my see, smugness dear listener you should see his face he has the smuggest face <laughs> <laughs> they just look constipated. <laughs> um, uh, the, what, what I like, the one thing I did like about this post was he actually put some hard and fast numbers. I mean, only one number. Yeah. Which is their win-lose rate. And for them, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so I suppose they're not... I mean, the, the guy I respect most out of all of this is Dan James from, from Silver Orange. Who, you know, quite happily talks yeah, about... another person who talks about sales. Yeah. He quite happily talks about, you know, how much they've won their revenue over a year, what, what they their earn. salary is. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no. Because, and uh, I just think it's sensible not to go down that route. Because the bottom line is, we're all up against each other. Yes. And we do want to win work against competing agencies. This is kind of very front of mind, because I, I went for the second time ever... I went to a briefing where all of the agencies were invited together. Yes. Which is always incredibly awkward. So you and, and Andy Budd Andy from Bud Clear Left I mean, sitting it was, there. It, you know, it was okay, because I know Andy quite well. Um, and, and that was fine. But I went, I went to one previously with the guys from Torchbox, and, that, and it's like, we're a bit like, all right. And then there's other people around the table looking very serious. And everyone's trying to, trying to point score and not point score at the same time. Yeah. It's just like, it's not a pitch. Just ask questions and go. But anyway, so... It, but yeah, the, the point I'm trying to make there is we are up against each other. Even the people we know and like and get on with and meet at conferences, yeah. there is still an element of competition here. Of course there is. Yes, uh, there is. So therefore you don't want to be saying, so therefore we charge X for this and we charge X for that. Because sometimes, you know, <gasps> that changes as well, depending on how busy you are and, sure. uh, and all, all of that kind of thing. But so, there is a lot more, we could be a lot more open than we are. In I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate, not not in not in um, in terms of we charge this for this project and that kind of thing, mm. but in terms of how we approach sales. And I suppose we are fairly open mm. about that. And and you know, do we do we pitch? Do we not pitch? Do we do speculative work? What goes into our proposal? Here's a sample of one of our proposals. Mm. Would that be so terrible to do that kind of stuff? Uh, I wouldn't want to show, give an example of a proposal, no. Because that's part of the... You win work on how good your proposal is. Yeah, but are. we also win work on the quality of our code, and we share that all the time. Mm, weird, isn't it? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm... Th- uh, that's uh, where I'm struggling. Because, like... I'll give you another example. A real tangible... Because, I, 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 you know, I'm going to be com- br- brutally honest over this, right? Okay. I love the guys from Clear Left to Bits. I love hanging out with them. But, yeah, you're right. We're in competition with them. Mm. You know, we numerous times we've been up against them Mm -hmm. and i recently came across their new website which i absolutely love and i dropped an email to andy on twitter saying really like your new website and i i sat there thinking if this was any other website i would now tweet it (laughs) right 
<laughs> but there was something in me that prevented me doing it. And in the end, I thought, this is bloody stupid. I should do it. It's a good website. Of course it is. Why Excellent. not? So I then tweeted it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did. And it was the right thing to do. But it, I didn't like that part of me. I didn't like the part of me <laughs> that suddenly went all commercial and all, you know, and all competitive over it. And and uh, actually, I even wrote to Andy as well and said, you know, you guys have been doing really well recently. You've been beating us and you've been producing some really great work and good for you. Mm. And I, I almost ha- I didn't have to make myself do it because, you know, that because they're, they're great guys and I really like them. But th- I, it was the principle that I felt I should encourage them. I don't want them to become my competitors I want them to remain my friends. And I know in the past I have fallen into that mindset, not just with Clearleft, but with other web design agencies that I know. And I don't want to work in an industry like that. I want to work in a, well, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. And we say that all the time to each other, but then we, this, well, if there, perhaps it's just me, perhaps there's something in me that's dark and evil. And, and No, 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 no. I mean, this, that's what this post by Joe Rinaldi is called. You win some, you lose some. And he kind of, he kind of starts off that way. And then he goes into kind of the darker places, losses cost, and they hurt and all yeah. that kind of thing. And some, not all, sometimes you know you're kind of just, well. Yeah. This would be a result if we win this one kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't, then you go, fair enough. Others, you you know you put your heart on the line and you lose those and it's like bastards yeah um but uh, just to go back to the point you're making there there is a a definite line there's a lot and this is the when you're looking at uh, say say clearless website and you're admiring it as a piece of work that's cool that's absolutely right you should be telling everyone how much you think how brilliant it is but when there's a project to be one that we're both going for then that's a different... That you're in a is different it, place then. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing I mean, with but you. But to a certain extent, at the, bo- uh, the uh, you know, the bottom line is, well, you do win some, you do lose some, and you do your best. And if if people you know... I'd rather people we know won it than people we don't know win it. Yeah, absolutely. So, there you go. Well, that's the, the, the classic example with that. Mm. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this or not, but this thing you went to yes. with Andy there... Mm-hmm. And there was another company yeah, yeah. there that probably don't listen to this, I hope. <laughs> you know, the two of you sat there and said, I don't care if you win, but as long as they don't. Yeah. <laughs> because they were, you know, a very different type of agency. Yes. I think probably best leave that one there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that sounds awful. They were, yeah, just um, I think up you... to a certain extent, they weren't, we know each other. And to go back to the point, it wasn't so much that... Maybe, you know, we didn't feel that they wouldn't be able to do a job for these people. It was more a case of, we know the kind of job that they would do, and we rate that more highly. Okay, so let's... Right, so I can... Except you don't want to talk about um, our rates, because, you know, rates are something that change, and and to some extent depend on the type of client you're working with, how difficult you think they're going to be, and all kinds of other factors come into play, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. In a perfect world, it would be lovely if we could just go, this is how much we charge for X, that's how much we charge for Y. Uh, But people tell you, most people tell you these days, this is our budget and we want this. Yeah. And then you have to make a decision. Yeah. So I'm fine about that. Not sharing proposals i'm purposely playing devil's mm-hmm. advocate here because i'm not the salesman well i am to some degree but yeah. not like you are not sharing proposals and putting up examples of that because i often get examples of that 
you know, get people saying, oh, what goes into your proposals? And we talk about it. We do a workshop, mm-hmm. which you've participated mm-hmm. in, where we've talked about all the things that go into our proposals. So why wouldn't you post that online? Because, um... I think it's because a lot of value goes into those words and a lot of experience has gone into those words, etc., uh, etc. Et and that's not true of the websites we build? Uh, other people's content, isn't it? It's content. Yeah, words, yeah. But, all right, with the code, right? It's really interesting, right? Okay, t- go back to the example of the new um, Clear Left site. I mm-hmm. went onto the site and I thought... The design, the design's not. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't. For for example, I don't know. It's a weird one. Uh, let me I no. Let me finish the train on, of thought. On, I was going to say right. So I went on to the clear left site, and it does certain things that I really like. Okay, so I immediately dived into the code to work out how they've done it. Mm. Right, because I'm not like these guys downstairs. I'm not coding day to day, so you know they would they would have gone. Oh yes, they did this, this, and this, and but I didn't know. So I dove in their code and had a look. They could have, you know minified their code they could have done all of these things to make it really quite hard for me to Mm. do that in actual fact they'd laid it all out really nicely they'd commented it they knew people would do that and they they empowered me to be able to learn Mm. from them rip off their intellectual property you could argue Mm -hmm. right and reuse that you're saying that your words are more precious than their code uh i don't uh, using (laughs) i really am being a bugger now using that example i didn't look at the site and see any of the uh features or whatever uh, i just saw the, the visual design and the content right so not interested in what you just said don't care yeah you but don't. I wouldn't take their content their words ever 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 and that's what no. i'm trying to compare okay to. you're you're trying to compare Yes, I wouldn't. No, I would feel horribly uncomfortable if somebody copied and pasted chunks out of our proposals. There you go. So why show it to them? Because you can show them the structure and the. I don't mind. I've talked in the past and given details about headings, things we cover. Yes, you have actually. Okay. All right. Moving on then. <laughs> you no, know, you've convinced me on that. That's no, fair enough. Because you know, stealing. Yeah. Even with with clear left's code, which I went and looked at, I couldn't just copy and paste it wholesale. It wouldn't have worked on my website. I had to rewrite it. I learnt from it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't plagiarising it because it wouldn't have been possible even if I could. And that would have been a step mm. too far anyway. That's what you're saying, yeah. that you're happy to explain what goes into it, but you don't want to be put, in, put it in a position where they can just copy and paste it. Okay. Because it's not like online, where if somebody copies and pastes a load of our text online, we will know it because it'll you know appear in search results and uh, you know those kinds of things and you can go say naughty boys yeah yes Except can that. you imagine if you were going up against say, say if um you, you were a part of a competitive tender and five agencies were were handing in proposals and someone and had just someone copied, and pasted. copied pasted yours and they read yours before theirs before yeah. they get to yours yes absolutely you, no i accept that you've convinced me what about then things like in this post mm-hmm. he talks about a win-lose ratio Right, and he posts, doesn't he? You yeah, know, their would he have posted it if it was the other way around? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, because they're happy cog, yeah. they have what was it, seventeen 70, to five, seventeen to brilliant. five, which is a really high seventy odd percent. Yeah, I mean, he ratio. Make, he makes the the point that anything above fifty percent is considered good, which it is. Yes, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Would you know? Because yeah. our our conversion rate would be lower than that. 
Yeah, at the moment. I mean, well, actually, no, at the moment it isn't. It depends when, uh, what, what time do you want to yes, take Yes, what it over? period. So that's a very good point. Right now, well. it's, it's better than that. A lot better. But, yeah, that's You know, true. if you added in the last six months, it probably wouldn't be. Yeah. So. Yeah, what does it mean anyway? I think that's just for, uh, you, you know, and. Uh, is that Frank, secretly? Frank, frankly, are you saying that secretly? Cares? Are you secretly saying that that's this is just showing off? Pitch. Yeah. That is sales pitch. We're so good. Yes. You know, you need to come to. Come, come to Happy Cod, because, look, you know, everyone comes here because we're just so good. Yes, and we always uh, win it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just think that's sales pitch, and it wouldn't be in there if you it was the other way You cynical bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I do. Because um, even the, I've got to say, even the examples that he picks of where things went wrong mm. are, it's not really Happy Cog's fault examples. You know... Well, sometimes you well, do just lose that, them. You but, just lose them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there are... But, do you ever think... I'm just trying to think back. At, have there ever been cases where we've pitched for work and we've lost it and we've lost it because we've been shit? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody actually ever think that? Well, of course not. You wouldn't be in business. No, you wouldn't be. So really, it's not fair to say that their examples are salesy because I think just, that particular example, showing, showing those kind of that figures number it that you think is showing off. Right. Like, talking about... The way you do th- process. I love process. People talking about their processes. I think that's hugely helpful. We, you know, that's part of our sales process. Um, I don't know. We, we have a, I'm making this up. We, we have a, the whole company sits around a table. And we have a half an hour brainstorming what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, do you really kind of thing? That's yeah. really interesting. For example, we, we don't do that, by no. way, but maybe we should. And if somebody else did that and, and they, were really successful you'd think well that kind of thing i think is really helpful right. we should talk about things like that yeah but talking about you know you, your win lose ratio is internal it, it, yes. it tells you a lot internally i guess How's the only value no and there is a value in that which is although they presume everybody it is we have a win lose ratio we know what are in mm. that's valuable that if you're running you know running a company to be able to know whether you're you know how many you're winning compared to how many you're losing is a useful piece of data to have i mean i'd argue that even then is it really uh if you're if you're winning enough work um so that you know everybody's fed kind of thing then and you're not wasting too much effort on stuff that you're losing then what does the ratio matter or if you lose five tiddly tiny ones and win one massive one yes yes that's the other thing that makes that number absolutely irrelevant you're right if you you know it's about actually about how how much you you know the, the bottom line. It's about yes. how much. You, I mean, there is in. another factor, which is what we always ask, which is the why did we lose it? Yes, that's a useful thing to know. Um, but often it isn't actually. Often it no. Is. Often it's vague, and, and sometimes you think, okay, they're telling us one reason, but the truth is we were too expensive for them. Or uh, <laughs> yeah, or, or or the truth might be that actually you're not as good as the other people. Yeah. Uh, or but the they'll truth, never tell you that. Yeah. Or the truth was, well, the managing director's nephew is a web designer, and they'll never tell you that either. Exactly. Yeah. We 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 had. Um, I mean, I would say that. Probably. I, I hope. I think. I recognise this more than I used to. Um, that basically, we've already decided who we want to work with, but yes. we have to go out to ten. Yes. Um, and to be fair, we've been on the, the receiving end, the other end, end of that, of that the good yeah. end of that. You know, and I just feel so sorry for the other people that I know are receiving the same brief I've received, yeah. knowing that we've already, Headscape has already won the work. Yeah. But, you know, in response to that, there have been many times when you kind of know 
Yeah. It's just such a good opportunity. It's in, in the sectors we work in. We've got to go for it. And you just can't, you just know. Yeah. And you do it all and you put, you know, a week's worth of effort into it, maybe. And then, it is yeah. a really interesting <laughs> subject. The whole, yeah. The whole sales and how much effort you should put into it. And uh, yeah, there feels like there's a conference here. You know, almost mm-hmm. just dedicated, or at least on a major conference, have a, um, you know, a, a, a track dedicated to business development type stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's so many nuances to it. And it is so crucial. Yet most people that set up web design agencies, I mean, I think we're probably unusual in that. Mm. Most people that set up web design agencies have no sales experience. That's not where they come from. Mm. You know, oh, that's fascinating. Anyway, I think we've kind of... We've done that That's one. a good discussion, mine. I like challenging you. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I don't like being challenged. I'm, I'm challenged enough outside of this room <laughs> at the moment. Stop challenging me. Okay, I've <laughs> Right, let's do this joke so we can get back in the warm. Oh, yeah. Why did I pick up... Okay, hang on. Talk more. I've got to find a, short, a shorter I, I, joke. I, I hate it when you just say that. What was <laughs> this to do? And ladies and gentlemen... Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what you can do. Uh, yes. We're, I would really appreciate... It. It'd be great to hear your comments on that that conversation we just had about sales and what your approach to sales is. So go along to barragord.com forward slash... Uh, season four slash five find episode seven and you can post your comments there it will be much appreciated got a couple of really short ones okay okay what do you call a man with a pole through his leg no don't know rodney rodney (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay get the other one over and let's go what do you call a sleepwalking nun no go on a roaming catholic that's not as good. <laughs> I don't like that one. The, the, Rodney was good. I liked Rodney. Okay, thank you very much for listening to this week's show. Guys, we really need some suggestions. Stop banging teeth together in a, a comical way. <laughs> um, we really need some suggestions for posts. Otherwise, look what the consequences are. We do two posts about me. Uh, and I've got a lot of posts on my website. So, people, you could be suffering a lot more from me if you don't make suggestions. So, send your suggestions to paul at boagworld.com or you can post them at boagworld.com forward slash seasons forward slash five or you could tweet them to me at at boagworld whatever the case let me know because I want your suggestions on the show talk to you again next week goodbye bye bye Oh, my God.